I want you to turn with me to some important words of our Lord. Now, the Lord's words are all important, but here in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6, we have some words that are particularly relevant at the beginning of a new year. And so, would you turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6? We'll begin reading with verse 25. But I believe the Lord has a word for us at the beginning of this year. And I can, it's probably something that's already in your heart. But the word of the Lord at the beginning of 2020 is, trust me. Trust me. Don't worry about your life. Don't worry about anything. You know, this world is hypercharged with anxiety and fear and frustration. And uh, people are worried, worried, worried. And uh, it's easy for us to look out at the world and be worried to see what's happening. Did you know that... uh, The United Nations is receiving a report this week about Christianity as the most persecuted religion in the world. That that nine out of ten persons that that are persecuted for religion are Christians in the world today. Yet we hear about mostly about other religions being persecuted. We know that people are concerned for God's work and the church. And I have a friend, a Methodist minister, who's very concerned that the Methodist church will be dividing, will be split apart this year and have the same issues that the Anglicans have had and the Presbyterians. And these are troubling times and for the church. And we have to look to the Lord and we have to know what's right and how he's leading. Each of us personally can imagine all kinds of things that could be a problem this year, right? If you let your imagination go, you can think of all kinds of things that will go wrong. Problems, difficulties, uh, challenges. But it's important for us not to use our imaginations that way, but to let God <clears throat> sanctify our imagination so we consider the good things that He has promised and to trust Him for those good things. So, we need to make a choice at the beginning of this new year, and that is to trust God. Why? Because He's trustworthy. <laughs> If you're not going to trust God, what are you going to trust? Yourself? Are you going to trust the government? Are you going to trust your bank account? Are you going to trust your traditions, your friends? We must trust in God. And whoever trusts in God shall not be moved. Jesus is teaching his disciples this principle so clearly and succinctly here in the Sermon on the Mount. And as he's been talking to them about money and about true religion and about prayer and about serving him as their true master, he's saying, now, in terms of your daily life, how you live, 
how you're thinking and what you do, remember this. Verse 25. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. Underline those words. Another translation. Take no thought for your life. Stop worrying about your life. Do you know that worry is simply misplaced faith? It's believing that what can go wrong will go wrong. That's worry. How much better it is to trust that God is still on his throne and has everything under control. How many of you know that nothing can happen to you this year apart from God's greatest purpose? Because you're in him. Absolutely. Continue. Don't worry about your life, what you eat or drink, about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food, the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or stow away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who by worrying can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about your clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you have need. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. Verse 34, therefore do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. That's what Jesus said. What did he say? Trust God. Don't worry. Now the world says, don't worry, be happy. That's pretty empty, isn't it? How am I going to do that? How can I just change my mind and suddenly be happy? The problems are still there. The worries are still there. The trouble is still there. Jesus said, don't worry, trust God. Now that's the answer. That means I put my confidence in the one who has created the whole universe And cares enough about me personally, individually, to make sure that my life, my life is taken care of, shepherded this year. What do people worry about? Well, the the top five worries of people in America today. Number one, you guessed it, money. And what's the worry there? Will I have enough? Will I make it to the end? There's a whole generation, the baby boomers who are reaching retirement. 
And they're saying over and over, how much do I need for the rest of my life? And do I have enough? The answer to that is no. You don't have enough. There isn't enough to keep you safe, to make you happy. It's only enough if you trust God and depend upon Him. Jesus didn't say, just keep saving until you know you have enough, and then you'll no longer worry. He said, trust God wherever you are. How many of you know that most of the time things don't work out the way we expect, the way we intend, the way we plan? There are problems. There are issues. <clears throat> I, have a, uh, I had a dear friend, dear, an uncle, who became a close friend and uh, just a spiritual companion, prayer partner. And let me tell you, in his 50s, he was set up for life with this wonderful family business, third generation family business. He was well off. He was generous supporting his church and his missionaries. His family was well taken care of. Well, it was all wiped out in less than a year through some changes in the economy and a shift in the board of directors and a lawsuit. And he lost everything. We were so concerned for my Uncle Jim, and we kept checking on him. And let me tell you, he didn't fade for one hour, for one minute. Concerning his testimony, he just continued to say, praise God. He's got everything under control. And Ginger and I visited with his three children who are men and women of God standing in faith, serving the Lord in their churches, all with uh, good work and resources to help others. And the testimonies that they share about their father. And you know what they say? They say, we're glad our dad lost his business because he taught us how to live by faith. He taught us how to praise God despite our trials and our problems and our troubles. Number one, money. Are you worried about money? Well, sorry about that. The only answer is not more money, but more God, more faith, more trust. Second greatest worry, family. Aren't we all concerned for our families, our loved ones, especially our children and our grandchildren, that they be well, that they be happy, that they be protected? I'll never forget an encounter I had with my mom where she was talking about uh, her kids and her grandkids and worried about them. And I said, Mom, you got to stop worrying so much about your family. And she said, Danny, <clears throat> I'm going to worry. I'm a mother. It's my privilege. And I think, you know what? A little bit of worry. Uh, let's say a, little, a concern is good. But worry is something we need to rise above. And yes, we're concerned for our children and our grandchildren and great-grandchildren. But we know this, that God is able. Can I ask you this question? Don't you think God is, is better able to take care of them than you are? So what are you going to do? Well, you do what you can, but you cannot provide all that they're needed, all that's needed. Fourth thing people are worried about, rejection. 
Rejection. That they'll be rejected by their friends, by their family. There was a troubling article about a young girl in California who was interrupted, who was trying to take her life. And as the counselors talked to her, they found out there was a series of bullying and things that had happened. And then get this, she had changed her hairstyle and she was hoping that she would get affirmation when she went online. Was it Facebook? And she was so upset at the response she got to her new hairstyle that she didn't go to school and went off by herself and was thinking about taking her life. And you think about the fear of rejection. Listen, we need to pray for this new generation and the incredible problem of peer pressure on the internet. Forgive me, but I don't believe in all of this internet activity and influence that causes young people to live their lives according to their popularity, according to approval from their friends and anyone who might want to weigh in. We need to teach our children, listen, not to live to please their friends or even themselves, but to please God. You realize this? If you're a God pleaser, a God, you're bulletproof from criticism and rejection. <laughs> this is it. I don't care what people think. I don't care. I please my father. Isn't that the way Jesus lived? I don't care what people think of me. I just want to please God. And then the fifth thing that people are concerned about is, listen, this is important, but their ultimate destiny, what happens to them after they die? We would put it this way, about their salvation. I trust that as a Christian, you have this incredible miracle gift of assurance and salvation that we have as believers, but we may somehow take for granted. Do you understand what I'm talking about? You realize not all people, even people that call themselves Christians, have this assurance of salvation that is a gift of God. What a wonderful gift. And the problem that some have in fearing they're going to lose their salvation. Living with fear and with guilt. Let me tell you, who God saves, He's able to keep. Who God saves, He's able to preserve. And we as believers have this incredible blessing of knowing our eternal destiny. Well, let's look at what Jesus said. And really, uh, there's seven lessons here that I want you to see. Jesus taught about trusting God and overcoming worry. First lesson is worry is a choice. He says, take no thought. How do you do that unless you make a choice? So I'm going to choose not to worry. That's a powerful thing to do, isn't it? We don't want to think that we have that much power. We do. It's the free will that God gave us and the ability to choose. And so what do we do? We make a choice to trust God. rather than, And the quickest way to do that is prayer. 
Turn your worry into a prayer and you will find God strengthening your heart and the, wor- the worry is overtaken by the gift of faith to see things from God's perspective. Have you heard the, 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 <clears throat> the saying, why worry when you can pray? A lot of Christians live like, you know, why pray when you can worry? We need to get that right, don't we? Why worry when we can pray? Number two, Jesus said, okay, disciples, look at, look at the flowers. <laughs> look at the birds. In other words, look at creation, all that God has created, and get the insight that God knows what he's doing in managing all of creation, and you're part of it. You know what? When we're afraid, we're discouraged, we're worried, we need to pay attention to the sunrise and the sunset. (laughs) How many of you love a beautiful sunset? They're all beautiful. But we, we need to enjoy, and the sunrise in the morning, and realize the same God that made that sun Come up and go down is taking care of my life. And so all of nature, I love to look at nature and just be reminded. I love to stand and look at the Sandia Mountain. How about you? It's so big, massive, so powerful. And guess what? It hasn't changed. I've been looking at it my whole lifetime. It hasn't changed. And I realize, you know, God doesn't change. Third lesson. God knows your needs. Jesus says, disciples, you need clothes. Guess what? God knows exactly what clothes you need. You need shelter. You need food. Whatever you need. You need a job. God knows what you need. And so, trust Him. Some Christians pray like they have to convince God that they need something. He already knows before we ask. And so what do we do? We don't have to twist God's arm. We don't have to argue him into making provision. We just have to say, Father, you know what I need. I'm trusting you for your help and your provision. And amazing things can happen as we trust in the Lord. So he knows our needs better than we do. How many of you know that he knows needs for our, our health? He knows needs for our finances. He knows our needs for our relationships and wisdom in terms of how we relate to people. Next lesson we learn from Jesus' teaching is... We need to be careful, even though we are believers in saying that we are trusting God, be careful that we're not living like the pagans who don't know God. The unbelievers who don't know God. They live as if there is no God. And so look at your life and say, is that the behavior? Is that the thought of someone trusting God? That's a good self-examination, isn't it? Listen, I'm a Christian. 
I'm a believer. I'm trusting God for the future. And so I will not give myself to that kind of worry and unbelief. Fifth lesson. Always put God first in your life. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. God first. And how do we put God first? Let me just give you three suggestions. Number one, we need to, to, to really seek first His presence in terms of daily fellowship. As we spend time in the Word and prayer, it's the presence of God that renews us and assures us. Second, we need to seek the truth of His Word. Hungry for truth. Searching the Scriptures. We need to seek His will regarding all decisions and matters of importance. What is the will of God? Then that settles it. No more issue. I don't continue to deliberate when I know what God wants me to do. And then finally, we need to seek His way to be obedient to His ways. You know, it says in the Scripture that Israel knew knew the acts of God, but Moses knew the ways of God. Isn't that an important distinction? Israel could recognize a miracle, in what God, but it was Moses who knew how God moved, what God's intentions were in his way. And so we put God first. Sixth, the lesson from Christ is he will provide all of your needs. All these things shall be added. Uh, do you believe Jesus? Do you believe him? Okay. You don't have permission to worry. <laughs> if you're going to believe the words of the Lord. And finally. We need to leave tomorrow. In God's hands. Because guess what? Tomorrow. You could find yourself worrying about something else. We leave tomorrow and God's. We don't know what tomorrow holds, but we know who holds tomorrow. Right? I need to come to a conclusion. I'm going to ask Sam to come up and lead us in communion <clears throat> this morning. My voice is uh, getting raspy. But let's uh, thank the Lord. We thank you for your word at the beginning of this year, not to worry. And Lord, we can think of all kinds of things that could trouble us if we allow them. But we ask you, Lord, in the name of Jesus, to strengthen our faith. Lord, even as we take communion this morning, help us, Lord, to be encouraged in our hearts, in our relationship with you, and to trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen.